Safeguarding Personal Information Online With me, Dira Venkatramani Have you ever Googled yourself before? Did you know that your birthday, home address, marriage records, phone numbers, email addresses, net worth, medical conditions, and much more are available online for anyone to access. Well, this is true. Whether you like it or not, it is important to learn how to protect yourself against this easy availability of private information. Here, I'll walk you through safeguarding your personal information online. Safeguarding personal information online began for my Girl Scout Gold Award project. The objective of the Girl Scout Gold Award is to take action towards an issue in one's community and make a lasting impact on it. For more information about my project, go to safeguardingpersonalinformation.wordpress.com. Today, almost everything we do involves electronics and the internet. Things as simple as getting a haircut now require an online check-in prior to arriving at the salon. It saves us time and increases efficiency. But how often do we stop to think about the consequences of our online lives? Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram have become the new way of connecting with our friends. Are we putting too much personal information on our social media accounts? We view our bank accounts online. All it takes is a password to access a lifetime of savings. We receive emails with financial statements which often contain credit card numbers, etc. The online world has made it easier for intruders to access our personal information. And what can this lack of privacy lead to? Identity theft. Identity theft is the illegal obtainment and use of a person's personal information for financial gain. We've all heard about how lost personal documents 
can lead to identity theft. If a person loses his or her wallet and it ends up in the wrong hands, the thief has access to credit cards and social security numbers, which then can be used to make purchases without the victim's knowledge. Or how about throwing away personal documents without shredding them? Identity thieves can always just retrieve these from your trash can. Identity theft can be devastating to its victims. As part of my Girl Scout project, I have been giving presentations to fellow Girl Scouts at senior centers and at community libraries. An attendee of one of my presentations shared that her mother's identity was stolen and an identity thief took a mortgage under her name. It took years for the situation to be cleared up. Over time, we have realized the importance of protecting personal belongings and private documents that can be used to take one's identity. Some big ways that online identity theft occurs are through phishing emails or websites, which are fake emails or websites that claim to be a well-known or trustworthy place. They trick their victims by asking for personal information. Another way online identity theft occurs is through video games, which often hold personal information in order to purchase new games. Also, some identity thieves put up fake Wi-Fi hotspots at public places and ask for private information before one can log in. For these reasons, it is important to be able to identify scams. If you are asked for private information, be cautious. These are some of the many online threats to privacy that we've all heard of that can lead to identity theft. However, there's an easier way for identity theft to occur. Our birthdays, home addresses, criminal records, marriage records, phone numbers, email addresses, net worth, medical conditions, and much more are available online in many places for anyone to access. There are websites in existence that sell public records, called people search websites or data brokers. These companies display personal information for free and give the ability to purchase for more details. Anyone with good or bad intentions can search for a person on one of these sites and retrieve their sensitive personal information. I got the idea for this project because one day I decided to Google my sister for the fun of it. We've all done that before. I found a website 
those displaying her age, birthday, and address. It turns out that I had come across her page on White Pages, a data broker. I was appalled by this and proceeded to inform my sister about it. I've invited her on the podcast to tell us more about how she felt when she found out that her personal information was available online. Hi, thanks for coming on the podcast. Hi there, thanks for having me. So one day, I found your private information on white pages and told you about it. How did you feel? I was so horrified and angry. Well, not only was I scared that my sister was Googling me, but more importantly, I didn't want my information online like this. And I had so many, I had so many questions, like how did this website get my information? And how are they even allowed to do this? Great questions. Stay tuned and I'll be answering them later. But how did you respond? Well, after the initial shock, I wanted to know how to get them to take down my page. I didn't want any random person to be able to find out where I live and how old I am. I also wanted to find out how many other sites are out there like this. Is my information practically everywhere on the internet? And do they have information on my parents and other relatives too? How many people were affected by this? I'll be explaining more about data brokers and how you can protect yourself from them. But thanks for sharing your experience with us. Thank you. Some popular data brokers are White Pages, Axiom, Zaba Search, Spokio, US Search, People Finders, Public Records Now, USA People Search, Epsilon, and Radaris. Data brokers find our information from government and public records, such as court records, tax records, voter records, birth records, etc., from social media, from surveys, and also from data from websites that require logins. They have information on nearly every American. So how are data brokers able to collect all this personal information when it can be so threatening to an individual's identity? Because, simply put, they are not regulated by laws. The personal information on these sites can be used in aid of identity theft. Things like birthdays are often used in passwords and security questions for important logins, like bank accounts and emails. And also, who would want the whole world to be able to find their home address? Is there anything we can do about the great amount of personal information available on these data broker sites for anyone to retrieve? Yes, there is. There are ways to remove your information from websites that hold personal information. You must go to these data broker websites and follow the steps they give to opt out of having your information displayed on their websites. For example, to opt out of white pages, 
First, find your information page by searching your name and possibly your location on whitepages.com. Then, copy the URL of the page with your personal information. Next, go to the White Pages homepage and click Remove from Directory at the bottom. Paste the URL and click Opt Out. Click Remove Me after verifying that the correct person has been selected. Give a reason for opting out and then hit Submit. Continue filling in any extra information and then click Call now to verify. You will receive a phone call and will be asked to give a four-digit code that comes up on your screen. Your opt-out request will then be carried out. Now that you have opted out of one site, you can go to my website for a list of opt-out links to more people search websites. Though this process is tedious, think about how much of your information you have protected by taking a few minutes to remove your profile from these data brokers. The problem is that you have only opted out of a few major data brokers. There are over a hundred in existence today, and new ones are being created all the time. What can we do about this moving target? For those of you who want to end this easy availability of personal information online, You've come to the right place. The data brokers discussed in this podcast are not required by law to keep personal information private, to inform the people of what information has been collected about them, to allow people to access their reports, or to allow people to fix incorrect information. These data brokers allow anyone to access any other person's personal information. Whereas, credit reporting agencies, or CRAs, which are a different type of data broker, must follow certain criteria under the Fair Credit Reporting Act, or FCRA. CRAs limit access to banks, insurance companies, employers, etc. because they have a legitimate need for one's personal information. This protects the privacy of the people. CRAs allow the people to access their reports and give the ability to fix incorrect information. They also allow people to see who has accessed their information. I propose that data brokers that are not used for credit reports should be required by law to follow the same regulations as CRAs in order to protect our personal information online. If you would like to join me in the journey of making a lasting impact on online privacy laws, you can sign my online petition to have non-credit reporting data brokers regulated in the same way as credit reporting agencies. The link to the petition is on my website, safeguardingpersonalinformation.com.
www.wordpress.com. I have met with Ohio State Representative Rick Perales, and we discussed the possibilities of creating a law to have data brokers regulated like credit reporting agencies. I'm also in contact with Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio. I will be communicating with his policy team, so we will look into the possibilities of moving forward with my proposal and finding a way to regulate data brokers on a national level. If you would like to be part of this journey, you can sign the petition and I will advocate for this issue on behalf of the community. And that's all for today on Safeguarding Personal Information Online. We'll see you next time. Thank you.